This is Patricia Miller with Cannabis Tech Talks. Joining me today is Graham Farrar, CEO of the Glasshouse Group. Graham, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Love your background. Uh, thank you. Yeah, this is what one of our greenhouses, the sun was setting through it. Um, uh, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, and so are you based in, you're in Boulder? Santa Barbara. I was school in Boulder, but uh, Santa Barbara is where we are based. Uh, we're all California at Glasshouse. Um, and we have two farms that are in Santa Barbara County, about a half million square feet of greenhouses. And we've got four dispensaries, uh, a couple, uh, four brands, uh, Glasshouse Farms, which is currently the number two flower brand in the state of California, Field mm-hmm. Extracts, which is a really cool connoisseur, live resin, all fresh frozen uh, extract brand. Um, we've got dispensary in Santa Barbara called The Pharmacy, and then another pharmacy up in Berkeley, uh, dispensary in LA called The Pottery, and then one in Santa Ana called Bud and Bloom. And we've got a 22,000 square foot uh, manufacturing lab up in Lompoc, which is a type six, which is solventless and type seven, which is hydrocarbon extraction. So we basically, we have every single cannabis license you can have in California, except a compliance testing lab license, which we're not allowed to have because we have the other ones. Right. Wow. Well, you've got plenty to do, it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, no shortage. (laughs) Well, so yeah, I was looking at your background. It's um, super interesting. So you you did a lot of technology stuff. Um, leading up to your career in cannabis, how has that kind of shaped how you approach the cannabis space? Yeah, quite, uh, quite a bit, I think. I mean, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm a, I'm a tech geek guy by training and a cannabis guy by passion. Um, and it's you know, really uh, lucky, serendipitous, whatever the, uh, the right word is, uh, to get to, you know, unite those two um, interests and skill sets and then get to do it. And I'm, a, I'm from Santa Barbara. So, you know, I, I get to even do it in my own backyard, which is, which is really amazing. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a, you know, I'm throughout my career, I've done a handful of different things from software.com, which was an early.com company. Um, basically we're a digital post office right around the time that people were just learning what email was, which is kind of funny to think back on now, uh, which we took public in 1999, you know, really awesome timing on that. Uh, yep. And then a company I started, or I, I'm sorry, a company I was one of the early founders at was Sonos, which is a home audio music system, also yep. uh, doing really well and went public a couple of years ago. Um, and then I started a company that made apps for kids uh, called iStoryTime and then into cannabis. And, you know, it's a, I think the common thread is that I've got a bunch of experience doing things that people have no experience doing, um, you know, kind of throughout those things, they're different, but they're all you know, we're all kind of on the forefront of uh, an uncharted territory. And that's, you know, pretty, pretty much the definition of cannabis right now. Um, and as we move into kind of like professionalizing the industry, you know, there's a, a lot of technology in agriculture and particularly in well-run agriculture. Uh, I, I like the idea of precision agriculture where you're really trying to figure out exactly what uh, the plant needs um, and then give it that. And if you give it less than that, then you're missing out on something. And if you give it more than that, you're wasting because it can't use it. Right. And so, um, I tend to be kind of a systems thinker. And if you think about, you know, any company has one biological system, right? It's the people in it. Can't cannabis farming, um, just happens to have two biological systems. It's the people and the plant. And, um, so getting those things to connect and flow together is really, you know, what it's all about. Um, our goal with Glasshouse is to do craft cannabis at scale. Um, and we kind of, we use kind of the quality, consistency, efficiency is the, is the three legs of our, our, of our stool. And so, um, am I talking too long? 
No, I'm fascinated. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you, if you think about that, uh, you know, if you think about, you know, first you got quality, consistency, efficiency. First, you got to do it right. And then you got to do it right every time. And then you got to do it right every time efficiently so that you can deliver that quality at a fair price to the consumer. Um, and, and technology is really good at all of those things. When you figure out how to do something, um, you know, the, the thing a computer is best at is you tell it what to do and it will do the exact same thing every single time very efficiently, right? And so uh, our goal, if you think about the plant, you can almost think about it as, it's kind of like a black box computer program, right? If you give a plant consistent inputs, it gives you consistent outputs. It's not, you know, it's not random. You don't say, you know, if you give it this amount of light and, and, and this amount of water and this amount of nitrogen, like it's pretty much gonna do the same thing every time. And so your goal is to decode, what do I need to give the plant to get the result that I want? and then figure out how do I give it that input every single time really efficiently, right? And so, I mean, that's that's basically, you know, that's technology and agriculture with cannabis as the as the goal. You put those things together and, you know, that's, that's what I do every day. <laughs> I love that. Well, it sounds like sustainability is kind of a double-edged thing for you then. It's not just about um, eco-friendliness, but it's also about delivering that consistent, affordable quality in all of your products. Yeah. So, I mean, I am a, I'm, I'm a, I'm an environmentalist at heart. Um, I've got some, you know, pretty good bona fides. I was on Heal the Oceans board for 10 years, which is a local environmental group. I and mean, this is way before cannabis is not a, you know, there's no eco washing on this. Uh, I was on the board of directors for Ecology, um, you know, 20 years ago, which uh, was focused on islands because that's where like 80 to 90% of the extinctions on the planet happen. So their goal was target those areas for the highest leverage. So, you know, that, that's kind of who, who I am as a, as a person. There, I think the cool thing about sustainability when it comes to this is, is you, you're, you're aligned, right? It's like you have the same goal. I call it the triple bottom line, right? So the things that we do pick uh, recapturing our water and reusing it, right? It's good for the planet right? And we're not wasting water and we're not putting nitrogen in the groundwater table. It's good for our business because those resources are valuable. So from the efficiency point of view, if we don't throw away the fertilizer, but instead use it all up, like that's bringing our, our business costs down, right? Which means we can deliver the same product for a lower price, or we can deliver the same quality more profitably. Um, and then it's good for the consumer, I think, because they live a, in, in the environment, but also um, I think that, that it's important increasingly important to people to pick products that care about the the planet right so for our our who we are to the consumer to say you know we care we don't use pesticides we use beneficial insects you know again good for the environment because we're not spraying chemicals good for our business because can't the testing on cannabis is so stringent if you don't use those chemicals you don't fail test for them right so we use bugs instead um and then again it's good for the consumer because they don't have the chemicals in the plant they're consuming they you know get to make the choice to support businesses that care about that stuff so it really it's like you know it's not i think people sometimes put it like a opposing force you're either sustainable or good business right and in this case uh you know, everything that we do in this industry starts with a plant and the plant comes from mother earth. So if you're not taking care of that, then, you know, how, how are you even in this business? So in, in our situation, it's, it's very much an alignment, not an opposition. I really appreciate that perspective. I think uh, that's something that we try to convey a lot is sustainability can also be wonderfully beneficial for your bottom line. If you do things correctly, it, it can augment, um, they can make things more profitable. Yeah. I mean, I think true, true sustainability, it, it should be looked at holistically, right? Like, 
a business that is so sustainable on the environment that it's not sustainable as a business doesn't actually help much, right? Because it goes away. What you really need is you need a business that is sustainable as a business that is operating in a sustainable in the environment way, because then it continues to do that, right? It's like, uh, you know, if you, if you donated all of your money to charity and you had, you know, $10,000, that's great. Better is invest, you know, figure out how to make your $10,000 produce $1,000 a year and donate that $1,000, right? And, and then keep doing that in perpetuity because eventually 11 years later, you're doing more good than if you just given away the 10,000. So, you know, I think that's part of you know, the way we look at it is we want a, a business that sustains so that we can keep doing good. It's the total good you do, not the, not the instantaneous good. It's, you mentioned all the different verticals that you're operating in. Um, is there a specific sector that's maybe more challenging to find those sustainable angles or to make work like yeah, I mean, I think re retail feels like the hardest a little bit to me um, because the regulation, you know, the places I look to on retail or, you know, we can do things like we have all LED lighting and we build to lead certification standards when we open stores and stuff like that. But operationally, um, the thing that really sticks out from, to me is the packaging um, and how wasteful it is and how much plastic there is. And, um, but that's, it's, uh, it, you're, you're stuck with these regulations, right? They require, um, you know, child-resistant packaging. They require tamper-evident evidence sales uh, seals. They require you know all this kind of stuff that's that's forced on you. And and then also because of that, the options you have are so limited. It's like you, you know we're brands and and a retailer, so we're on both sides of that. And it's like you know we want to do things that are better for the environment, but when you have to have um, Child resistant packaging, for example, that's a requirement, right? The number of recyclable options that you have goes from a hundred to one, right? And it's because it's just like you're just pigeonholed over here. And so, you know, I'd love to see if we can have a, if we can move the pendulum a little bit from this fear factor that we have with cannabis, right? It's like you don't need child resistant packaging on a on a fifth of vodka, and if a kid drinks that, they'll literally die. But why do you need child resistant packaging on an eighth of cannabis flour? Where if a kid eat, ate it, they wouldn't even I mean, they wouldn't even get high. Maybe they'd get an upset stomach, but like, you know, why do we treat this one like it's, you know, not dangerous when this one like it is when that's backwards. So I don't know, hopefully we can do that at some point. Great point. Uh, in your experience, do you think customers are more likely to, to spend more if they feel like the brand is in line with their own ideals? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think certainly in, in the broader market and CPG, that's true, right? I mean, organic foods, arguably is somewhat of a, a marketing program, if you dig into the details of it, but, but it's a marketing program that people pay for. Um, uh, cannabis is a little has a little bit more friction, maybe because the taxation is so high, um, that uh, people are already paying a lot, you know, if we sell something on the shelf, that's $50, $25 of that is taxes, right? So to, to ask people to, to dig deeper, um, but I do think they make a buying choice, right? If you're, if, if you have an eighth from a company that doesn't, you know, care or transmit that care and you have an eighth from a company that said, Hey, we're pesticide free. We reuse our water. We pay all of our employees more than minimum wage. All of them have health benefits. We don't use seasonal labor. Um, we give back to the community. Then I think, you know, people are certainly as smart as they've ever been on factoring that into their decision. So. I think if you give people a good product at a great price and they can feel good about the brand that's providing it to them, then, then that gravitates and that resonates. 
So Glasshouse Group took home our stewardship award for sustainability. Um, yeah, really proud I mean, of that. Yeah, yeah, congratulations. It's, there was some stiff competition. Um, how do how does community engagement kind of play into your your sustainability focus? <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, so we, you know, we really um, feel like, you know, kind of we're, we're, I don't know, I call it part of nature and not on top of nature, right? Which is we're, we're part of this uh, system, not like, you know, we're not the king of it. Um, and I and I think that, you know, that goes to how we view kind of the our whole community. Um, and so, you know, like we just recently did a promotion or at a uh, at our dispensary in Santa Barbara, where we teamed up with the local brands, including our own Glasshouse Farms, um, and uh, raised a bunch five percent of all sales, top line, not profit, but like you know the the real number, not the games number uh, that we donated to the Freedom Warming Center, which is a a homeless shelter that opens up when it gets cold here. We raised you know thirteen thousand dollars that went into the community, and um, and you know that that kind of stuff like it feels like sustainable from the community point of view, right? From the people point of view, it's not necessarily reducing our water usage or whatever, but um, I, I think it makes us a stronger uh, community or society that we're part of. Um, you know, certainly we, like we, you know, we're working with some folks that are doing farm days and we give a lot of tours. Uh, we try and really advocate for this kind of low touch uh, agricultural the approach that we practice. Um, I think there's some awesome potential that Cannabis right now in agriculture is a little bit of a, an outlier in terms of the fact that you can still, you know, it's, it's a highly regulated business with a lot of friction, a lot of costs, but um, you, you're not in the single digit margin percentage like a lot of uh, ag is where they're, you know, really kind of struggling to stay alive, which allows us to do things like, you know, invest in, uh, in using beneficial insects instead of pesticides. But then there's a positive circle that starts with that, which is, you know, if we spend 20 grand a month with the beneficial insects guys and then some other guys do and then they can scale up and then as they get bigger the price comes down and then maybe now it's available to the tomato guys because they can afford it now and then the tomatoes are you know thousand times bigger than cannabis so if that industry can take even just a little bit the size of it makes it you know that much bigger and then the insects price comes down and then more people can get access to it right and so you can start this really kind of virtuous cycle um, and I think uh, cannabis can help kind of blaze that path for the rest of agriculture which will end up making a lot more difference than we do. I really appreciate that larger, higher level um, thinking, looking at things as a system, because I think that's the only way to understand the value of sustainable systems um, and really see, like you said, how they can scale and cause a much larger impact in the chain than just your individual business. Um, yep. So I think that plays really well into the stewardship idea. Yep. Yeah, I think it's kind of a, it's kind of like a leveraged effect or a network effect where you some something that might not make the biggest difference can get the process started, and then the pieces that do actually make a difference uh, can follow the path and and uh, and widen it as they go. Well, on that note, how do you how do you envision the future for the cannabis space? Um, I think it's really bright. Um, I think it's especially bright uh, in California. Um, you know, I, I think the world's a better place with cannabis in it, and we're. As Martin Luther King Jr. says, you know, the moral, moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And I think we're we're on that arc of uh, of moving towards a place where we stop spending billions of dollars um, on on a drug war that's not helpful. Um, and we start uh, and cannabis is a spearhead for that, right? I I think the drug war was never truly intended to be a war on drugs. It was 
and tended to be a war on people. Um, and you can find that, you know, in the record in, in plain English. Um, and it was very successful at that. Not, you know, not so successful as <laughs> against the drugs, but against the people it was. And so now we're starting to move in a direction where, you know, you've got a vice president who is a lead sponsor on the Moore Act, which is, it legalizes cannabis, but really it's a social justice bill. And uh, we have a Congress that passed it last year and we have a Senate now uh, that could take it up uh, this year. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if we move from treating drugs, cannabis included, uh, as a criminal issue, and, you know, we're the, the, most people don't have a problem with drugs. And the ones that do, it should be looked at as a mental health issue, not as a criminal issue. And uh, we should stop tearing apart families and start creating jobs and raising tax revenue. And I think that's, you know, that's the direction we're on. Never, never fast enough, uh, but I think we're pointed in the right direction for the first time in 80 years. Yeah, powerfully said. Is there anything you'd like me to take away from our conversation, Graham, that maybe we didn't touch on? Um, I mean, you know, I think one of the things that uh, I, I always try to move the needle on is that, you know, cannabis still has such a stigma attached to it, right? And the, the kind of another saying I like is the future's here. It's just not evenly distributed yet. So I think it's it's really important that people, and particularly people that, you know, kind of people stand up and they're not shy about cannabis and that we need to start, you know, continue to break that stigma down, right? Like we build altars to alcohol uh, in our houses, right? With liquor cabinets and bars and stuff like that. And then people take their cannabis and they hide it in the back of the, the sock drawer, right? And there's an implied kind of message in that and it's it's that stigma there and so i think educating people and doing what you guys are doing right which is pointing out that cannabis is a is a, is an industry of now of, of law following regulation tax paying uh high tech job creating um you know folks is important so we gotta we gotta have the ceos and the doctors and the judges and the people that historically hid their cannabis use. I mean, we know they used it, they just hid it, right? And we need them to, to stop that and treat it at least on par with alcohol, if not better, right? I mean, I've got two kids. I'd rather them, you know, I, I worry about fights, car, drunk driving, sexual assault. Like those things are not cannabis things. Those are alcohol things. And yet we, you know, kind of uh, d vilify one and and you know, and praise the and uh, and worship the other, and we need to we need to quit doing that. So anything that helps get that message out, I think, is uh, good for all of us. I really appreciate that. Thanks for joining us on Cannabis Tech Talks, and Graham, thank you for your awesome insights. If you'd like to learn more about Glasshouse Group, Graham, where can they where can they find that out? Uh, the best place to find us is on the web, which is www.glasshousefarms.org. It's ORG because uh, we started out as a, as a beneficial uh, corporation back in the Prop 215 days when we were a, uh, a collective. So uh, we held on to that because we like the roots of cannabis. Um, and also on Instagram, which is uh, Glasshouse Farms, um, at Glasshouse Farms uh, is our Instagram. So that's the two best places to find us. And thanks a lot for having us on the, uh, on the podcast. It was a blast. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I learned a lot. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts like this, um, check out Cannabis Tech Talks on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Today's episode of Cannabis Tech Talks is brought to you by Hardy Diagnostics. Hardy Diagnostics is an American company that manufactures and sells bacteriological culture media, reagents, automated microscope slide staining machines, and rapid identification kits for microbiological testing in clinical, research, and industrial laboratories. 
Hardy Diagnostics is proud to be partnering with cannabis testing and cannabis science laboratories to ensure that cannabis products are safe for consumers. Hardy offers a wide range of pathogen detection and environmental monitoring products. At Hardy Diagnostics, you will find a complete selection of laboratory and microbiology supplies for the clinical, industrial, and molecular biology labs. See their amazing line of products. Go to hardydiagnostics.com. 